0: Chapter Seventeen Part One of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years' Recollections of P. T. Barnum, Written by Himself This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum, Chapter Seventeen. THE JENNY Lind ENTERPRISE, PART 1. Many of my most fortunate enterprises have fairly startled me by the magnitude of their success. When my sanguine hopes predicted a steady flow of fortune, I have been inundated. When I calculated upon making a curious public pay me liberally for a meritorious article, I have often found the same public eager to deluge me with compensation. Yet I never believed in mere luck and I always pitied the simpleton who relies on luck for his success. Luck is in no sense the foundation of my fortune. From the beginning of my career I planned and worked for my success. To be sure, my schemes often amazed me with the affluence of their results, and arriving at the very best I sometimes builded better than I knew. For a long time I had been incubating a plan for an extraordinary exhibition, which I was sure would be a success and would excite universal attention and commendation in America and abroad. This was nothing less than a Congress of Nations, an assemblage of representatives of all the nations, that could be reached by land or sea. I meant to secure a man and a woman, as perfect as could be procured, from every accessible people, civilized and barbarous, on the face of the globe. I had actually contracted with an agent to go to Europe to make arrangements to secure specimens for such a show. Even now I can conceive of no exhibition which would be more interesting and which would appeal more generally to all classes of patrons. As it was, and while positively preparing for such a congress, it occurred to me that another great enterprise could be undertaken, at less risk, with far less real trouble, and with more remunerative results." And now I come to speak of an undertaking which my worst enemy will admit was bold in its conception, complete in its development, and astounding in its success. It was an enterprise never before or since equaled in managerial annals. As I recall it now, I almost tremble at the seeming temerity of the attempt. That I am proud of it, I freely confess. It placed me before the world in a new light. It gained me many warm friends in new circles. It was, in itself, a fortune to me. I risked much, but I made more. It was in October of 1849 that I conceived the idea of bringing Jenny Lynn to this country. I had never heard her sing inasmuch as she arrived in London a few weeks after I left that city with General Tom Thumb. Her reputation, however, was sufficient for me. I usually jump at conclusions, and almost invariably find that my first impressions are correct. It struck me, when I first thought of this speculation, that if properly managed, it must prove immensely profitable, provided I could engage the Swedish nightingale on any terms within the range of reason. As it was a great undertaking, I considered the matter seriously for several days, and all my cipherings and calculations gave but one result immense success. Reflecting that very much would depend upon the manner in which she should be brought before the public, I saw that my task would be an exceedingly arduous one. It was possible, I knew, that circumstances might occur which would make the enterprise disastrous. The public is a very strange animal, and although a good knowledge of human nature will generally lead a caterer of amusements to hit the people, they are fickle and oft times perverse. A slight misstep in the management of a public entertainment frequently wrecks the most promising enterprise. But I had marked the Divine Jenny as a sure card, and to secure the prize, I began to cast about for a competent agent. I found in Mr. John Hall Wilton, an Englishman who had visited this country with the Saxhorn players, the best man whom I knew for that purpose. A few minutes sufficed to make the arrangement with him, by which i was to pay but little more than his expenses if he failed in his mission but by which also he was to be paid a large sum if he succeeded in bringing jenny lind to our shores on any terms with any liberal schedule which i set forth to him in writing on the sixth of november eighteen forty nine i furnished wilton with the necessary documents including a letter of general instructions which he was at liberty to exhibit to jenny lind and to any other musical notables whom he thought proper and a private letter containing hints and suggestions not embodied in the former i also gave him letters of introduction to my bankers Messrs. baring brothers and company of london as well as to many friends in england and france the sum of all my instructions public and private to wilton amounted to this He was to engage her on shares, if possible. I, however, authorized him to engage her at any rate, not exceeding $1,000 a night, for any number of nights up to 150 with all her expenses, including servants, carriages, secretary, etc., besides also engaging such musical assistants, not exceeding three in number, as she should select, let the terms be what they might, If necessary, I should place the entire amount of money named in the engagement in the hands of London bankers before she sailed. Wilton's compensation was arranged on a kind of sliding scale to be governed by the terms which he made for me, so that the farther he kept below my utmost limits, the better he should be paid for making the engagements. He proceeded to London and opened a correspondence with Miss Lynde, who was then on the Continent he learned from the tenor of her letters that if she could be induced to visit America at all, she must be accompanied by Mr. Julius Benedict, the accomplished composer, pianist, and musical director, and also she was impressed with her belief that Signor Belletti, the fine baritone, would be of essential service. Wilton therefore at once called upon Mr. Benedict and also Signor Belletti, who were both then in London, and in numerous interviews was enabled to learn the terms on which they would consent to engage to visit this country with miss lynde having obtained the information desired he proceeded to lebec in germany to seek an interview with miss lynde herself upon arriving at her hotel he sent his card requesting her to specify an hour for an interview she named the following morning and he was punctual to the appointment in the course of the first conversation She frankly told him that during the time occupied by their correspondence, she had written to friends in London, including my friend Mr. Joshua Bates of the House of Baring Brothers, and had informed herself respecting my character, capacity, and responsibility, which she assured him were quite satisfactory. She informed him, however, that at that time there were four persons anxious to negotiate with her for an American tour— One of these gentlemen was a well-known opera manager in London, another a theatrical manager in Manchester, a third a musical composer and conductor of the Orchestra of Her Majesty's Opera in London, and the fourth, Chevalier Wyckoff, a person who had conducted a successful speculation some years previously by visiting America in charge of the celebrated danseuse Fanny Elsler, Several of these parties had called upon her personally, and Wykov, upon hearing my name, attempted to deter her from making any engagement with me by assuring her that I was a mere showman, and that, for the sake of making money by the speculation, I would not scruple to put her into a box and exhibit her through the country at twenty-five cents a head. This, she confessed, somewhat alarmed her, and she wrote to Mr. Bates on the subject. He entirely disabused her mind by assuring her that he knew me personally, and that in treating with me she was not dealing with an adventurer who might make her remuneration depend entirely upon the success of the enterprise, but I was able to carry out all my engagements, let them prove never so unprofitable, and she could place the fullest reliance upon my honor and integrity. Now, said she to Mr. Wilton, I am perfectly satisfied on that point, for I know the world pretty well, and am aware how far jealousy and envy will sometimes carry persons, and as those who are trying to treat with me are all anxious that I should participate in the profits or losses of the enterprise, I much prefer treating with you, since your principal is willing to assume all the responsibility and take the entire management and chances of the result upon himself. Several interviews ensued, during which she learned from Wilton that he had settled with Messrs. Benedict and Belletti in regard to the amount of their salaries, provided the engagement was concluded, and in the course of a week, Mr. Wilton and Miss Lind had arranged the terms and conditions on which she was ready to conclude the negotiations. As these terms were within the limits fixed in my private letter of instructions, the following agreement was duly drawn in triplicate and signed by herself and Wilton at Lebec, January ninth, eighteen fifty, and the signatures of Messrs. benedict and Belletti were affixed in london a few days afterwards memorandum of an agreement entered into this ninth day of january in the year of our lord one thousand eight hundred and fifty between john hall wilton as agent for phineas t barnum of new york in the united states of north america of the one part and mademoiselle jenny lynn vocalist of stockholm in sweden of the other part, wherein the said Jenny Lind doth agree, first, to sing for the said Phineas T. Barnum in 150 concerts, including oratorios, within, if possible, one year or 18 months from the date of her arrival in the city of New York, the said concerts to be given in the United States of North America and Havana. She, the said Jenny Lind having full control as to the number of nights or concerts in each week, and the number of pieces in which she will sing in each concert, to be regulated conditionally, with her health and safety of voice, but the former never less than one or two, nor the latter less than four, but in no case to appear in operas. Second, in consideration of said services, the said John Hall Wilton, an agent for the said Phineas T. Barnum of New York, agrees to furnish the said Jenny Lind with a servant as waiting maid and a male servant to and for the sole service of her and her party, to pay the traveling and hotel expenses of a friend to accompany her as a companion, to pay also a secretary to superintend her finances, to pay all her and her party's traveling expenses from Europe and during the tour in the United States of North America and Havana, to pay all hotel expenses for board and lodging during the same period, to place at her disposal in each city a carriage and horses with their necessary attendants, and to give her, in addition, the sum of two hundred pounds sterling, or one thousand dollars, for each concert or oratorio in which the said Jenny Lynn shall sing. Third, and the said John Hall Wilton, as agent for the said Phineas T. Barnum, doth further agree... To give the said Jenny Lynn the most satisfactory security and assurance for the full amount of her engagement, which shall be placed in the hands of Messrs. Baring Brothers of London, previous to the departure and subject to the order of the said Jenny Lynn, with its interest due on its current reduction by her services in the concerts or oratorios. Fourth, and the said John Hall Wilton, on the part of the said Phineas T. Barnum, further agrees that should the said Phineas T. Barnum, after 75 concerts, have realized so much as shall, after paying all current expenses, have returned to him all the sums dispersed, either as deposits at interest for securities or salaries, preliminary outlay, or monies in either way expended consequent on this engagement, and in addition have gained a clear profit of at least 15,000 pounds sterling, then the said Phineas t. Barnum will give the said Jenny Lynn, in addition to the former sum of one thousand dollars current money of the United States of North America, nightly, one fifth part of the profits arising from the remaining seventy five concerts or oratorios, after deducting every expense current and appertaining thereto. Or the said Jenny Lynn agrees to try with the said Phineas t. Barnum, fifty concerts or oratorios on the aforesaid and first-named terms and if then found to fall short of the expectations of the said phineas t barnum then the said jenny lind agrees to reorganize this agreement on terms quoted in his first proposal as set forth in the annexed copy of this letter but should such be found unnecessary then the engagement continues up to seventy-five concerts or oratorios at the end of which, should the aforesaid profit of £15,000 sterling have not been realized, then the engagement shall continue, as at first, the sums herein, after expenses for Julius Benedict and Giovanni Belletti, to remain unaltered except for advancement. Fifth, and the said John Hall Wilton, agent for the said Phineas T. Barnum, at the request of the said Jenny Lind agrees to pay to Julius Benedict of London to accompany the said Jenny Lind as musical director, pianist, and superintendent of the musical department, also to assist the said Jenny Lind in 150 concerts or oratorios to be given in the United States of North America and Havana, the sum of £5,000 sterling to be satisfactorily secured to him with Messrs. Baring Brothers of London, Previous to his departure from Europe and the said John Hall Wilton agrees further for the said Phineas T. Barnum to pay all his traveling expenses from Europe, together with his hotel and traveling expenses during the time occupied in giving the aforesaid 150 concerts or oratorios, he, the said Julius Benedict, to superintend the organization of oratorios if required. Sixth and the said John Hall Wilton, at the request selection and for the aid of the said Jenny Lynn, agrees to pay to Giovanni Belletti, baritone vocalist, to accompany the said Jenny Lynn during her tour and in 150 concerts or oratorios in the United States of North America and Havana, and in conjunction with the aforesaid Julius Benedict, the sum of 2,500 pounds sterling, to be satisfactorily secured to him previous to his departure from europe in addition to all his hotel and travelling expenses seventh and it is further agreed that the said jenny lynn shall be at full liberty to sing at any time she may think fit for charitable institutions or purposes independent of the engagement with the said phineas t barnum she the said jenny lynn consulting with the said phineas t barnum with a view to mutually agreeing as to the time and its propriety it being understood that in no case shall the first or second concert in any city selected for the tour be for such purpose or wherever it shall appear against the interests of the said phineas t barnum eighth it is further agreed that should the said jenny lynn by any act of god be incapacitated to fulfill the entire engagement before mentioned that an equal proportion of the terms agreed upon shall be given to the said Jenny Lind, Julius Benedict, and Giovanni Belletti for services rendered to that time. Ninth, it is further agreed and understood that the said Phineas t. Barnum shall pay every expense appertaining to the concerts or oratorios before mentioned excepting those for charitable purposes, and that all accounts shall be settled and rendered by all parties weekly. 10th. And the said Jenny Lind further agrees that she will not engage to sing for any other person during the progress of this said engagement with the said Phineas T. Barnum of New York for one hundred and fifty concerts or oratorios excepting for charitable purposes as before mentioned and all travelling to be first and best class. In witness hereof to the within written memorandum of agreement. We set hereunto our hand and seal. L.S. John Hall Wilton, agent for Phineas T. Barnum, of New York, U.S. L.S. Jenny Lind L.S. Julius Benedict L.S. Giovanni Belletti, in the presence of C. A. Killing, consul of His Majesty the King of Sweden and Norway. End of chapter seventeen, part one. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.